This episode of The Matter at Hand covers a topic that is difficult to acknowledge, but necessary to confront both in society at large and within the church. Some listeners may struggle with the content presented in this episode entitled Peddling Pedophilia, and parental discretion is advised. To listen to this episode at another time, visit the Alive Radio Network's Facebook page or purdyalicia.com. From in and around the Capital Region, on the Alive Radio Network, this is The Matter at Hand. I'm Alicia Purdy. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. It's not obvious to me that is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake. And I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. The notion that it's wrong even with a one-year-old is, is not quite obvious to me. Stephen Kirshner is a professor of philosophy at the State University of New York in Fredonia, and he is the author of the book, Adult Child Sex, A Philosophical Defense. Kirshner has spent much of his career as a vocal advocate of sexual intercourse with children, and has argued that if children do not want to have sex with adults, there is no moral standard that would prevent an adult from forcing a child into such acts. But no, I, I don't I don't think it's blanket wrong at any age, but they haven't consented. Perhaps that's so, but that's a different claim from their being unwilling. There's just lots of activities that children engage in that they don't understand all that well. Even if you are looking for a threshold, let's say there's a threshold at age eight, still that tells you that some adult child sex is permissible. But as shocking as Kirshner's teachings may seem to some, he's not alone in his perspective. Within college-level academia, there's a strong movement among professors to infuse their teachings with worldviews that are diametrically opposed, not only to a scriptural perspective, but to the generalized acceptance among wider society regardless of religion. Turning Point USA keeps a running professor watch list that parents can examine to learn more about college professors who are teaching radical views to students while being funded by parent dollars and tax money. Among them is Margot Kaplan, a law professor at Rutgers University. Most Judeo-Christian culture doesn't really value sexual pleasure engaged in for its own sake. In an op-ed she wrote for the New York Times, Kaplan said that pedophilia should be classified as a disorder, not a crime, and should be protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act to prohibit discrimination for employment, education, and medical care. According to Kaplan, pedophilia is a sexual orientation that cannot be changed but can be managed, and she says adults who have a sexual attraction to children, toddlers, or infants should be embraced into society and not rejected for something they can't help. In these situations, it's never really just about sex because, in general, the law has not really valued that. Reframing this as solely related to intimacy, it limits our view of the full expression of sexuality that could be involved in what it protects. There's really no reason that it should be uniquely undeserving of protection. Um, and we're doing it because we think sexual pleasure for its own sake is uniquely without value or even negative value, and that's an incorrect premise. Kaplan has made note of the group Virtuous Pedophiles, some of whom have strong sexual urges towards children, toddlers, and infants, but actively take a stand against acting on those urges 
changes. Kaplan frequently argues that the law must accept pedophilia into society and protect it as a sexual orientation so that pedophiles who don't act on their urges aren't unjustly penalized. I am Todd Nickerson. Uh, I'm a non-offending pedophile. I have never ever um, sexually abused a child. I never will. I do not look at child porn. I never will. I obey the laws. Uh, I respect the laws. I respect society's position on this. Uh, I understand it and uh, agree with it. Not all pedophiles are child molesters and not all child molesters are pedophiles. Pedophiles come from all walks of life. We, you know, we come from uh, all sorts of economic backgrounds, different occupations, and uh, we look like everybody else. Initially, I repressed the feelings. Because I was a, a regular at a, at a church, I had asked God to take it away, and, and um, you know, I kind of felt like he had. And as I started aging, and realized that this, the age of the girls I was attracted to were staying the same. That's kind of when I realized, you know, um, this was going to be a problem. Nickerson says that he and other so-called virtuous pedophiles maintain a strong sexual fantasy life involving very young children so that they don't act outwardly upon those children. And he says he feels his life has purpose as an activist working to normalize pedophilia into mainstream society as a sexual orientation, an endeavor that has been growing in visibility and support ever since psychologist Alfred Kinsey began to sexually experiment on babies to determine their ability to experience pleasure. In 1998, the American Psychiatric Association released a report stating that the negative potential of adult sex with children was overstated and that the vast majority of both men and women reported no negative sexual effects from their childhood sexual abuse experiences. The association even recommended that the phrase child sex abuse be replaced with intergenerational intimacy. The report was so disturbing that it drew an official rebuke from Congress, but the movement toward normalizing sex with children, whether or not the children want such interactions, is rapidly gaining momentum in every sector of society. In fact, a sexual attraction to children is not an issue that is isolated to the world that exists outside of the church, but is, in reality, one that is just as prevalent within the church, albeit much less acknowledged or addressed. While the Catholic Church is forced to confront decades of child sex abuse and ongoing revelations of adults who are traumatized by Catholic priests as children, the Boston Globe exposed a dark secret that pedophile priests were moved around by church leaders instead of being held accountable. 4,000 U.S. Roman Catholic priests have faced sexual abuse allegations in the last 50 years in cases involving more than 10,000 children, mostly young boys. It wasn't until 2021 that Pope Francis made sexual abuse, grooming minors for sex, possessing child pornography, and covering up abuse a criminal offense under Vatican law. Among evangelicals, Pastor Brian Houston recently stepped down completely from his role as the leader of the global ministry Hillsong to fight criminal charges in Australia after he was accused of covering up his father's pedophilia. Australian authorities have asserted that Houston knew his father, who was also a pastor, had sexually abused a seven-year-old boy in the 1970s and that Brian Houston failed to bring that information to the attention of police. Houston has denied the allegation that he covered up his father's sexual abuse. And the Duggar family, who shot to fame for a reality show featuring their oversized family and fundamentalist Baptist lifestyle and beliefs, have consistently made headlines after it was discovered that their oldest son Josh had sexually molested his younger sisters 
and that the church helped conceal the trauma and silence the victims at the request of their father, Jim Bob Duggar. Josh Duggar is currently in prison after being found guilty of possessing child pornography, featuring children as young as 18 months old. But is the issue of child sex abuse and pedophilia within the church isolated to a few small incidents? A 2018 criminal justice study conducted by the University of Texas found that within Protestant churches out of 328 male sex offenders, 35 percent had the title of pastor, 32 percent were youth ministers, and the rest were worship pastors, church volunteers, deacons, Bible study leaders, and church members. In 1991, psychologist Anna Salter wrote the book Predators, Pedophiles, Rapists, and other sex offenders after she spent 20 years working with and studying victims and sexual offenders. Salter noted in her research findings that many offenders report that religious people are even easier to fool than most. According to a study by Christianity Today, predators that are statistically likely to be in the pews, volunteering, and even are behind the pulpit aren't just avoiding detection while grooming their victims. They're also grooming their church community to view them as trustworthy and even as spiritual leaders, noting that the ultimate goal for any sex offender is to build trust quickly, which then creates a problematic situation for those in leadership if a victim does step forward, as the offenders often have a good reputation and church leaders are more willing to rely on that than the word of the victim, most often downplaying or even dismissing the accusations. Or, as in the case of the Duggar family, most Christian denominations opt to handle issues of sexual abuse in their churches within the church and are hesitant to contact the police. I looked up to him. I trusted him. So when he asked me to do that, I thought, this must mean he loves me. This is a man of God I look up to. What happened was a crime. This is not something that the church should handle internally. Pastor Andy Savage resigned from his position at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee, after a victim stepped forward accusing him of sexual assault 20 years prior when he was a youth pastor in Texas. Savage admitted that the allegations were indeed true. However, his victim, Jules Woodson, who struggles with PTSD following the incident, says the church circled the wagons around Savage and he went on to thriving ministries while there was no advocate in place to help her through the trauma he inflicted. I remember asking, well, what's going to happen now? And they just said that the church would handle it. Once I had told more people, then they had to act. Andy was allowed to go before the church and basically say that he had made a mistake and that it was time for him to move on. People were celebrating him and showering him with love and um, telling him how much they'll miss him. And here I am struggling. Since resigning his position at High Point Church, Andy Savage has started another ministry, while Woodson says Savage had groomed her since she was 14 years old. And the church must be more aware of sexual predators in the church looking to victimize children and must change the way they handle people who commit such heinous acts and the victims who will spend the rest of their lives recovering from the trauma. We as a church of all places should be getting this right. It's unfathomable to me that the secular world, Hollywood, are taking a stand. The church should have been the first group to stand up and say, we will not allow this. I want our churches 
to change how they handle sexual assault and sexual abuse in the church. It's a crime, not just a sexual sin. While Woodson says she fully believes in the grace and forgiveness of God, she does not feel that sexual predators should simply have to undergo a season of restoration before being allowed back into church ministry or the pulpit. A recent study sponsored by Lifeway Christian Resources reveals that 10% of Protestants under the age of 35 have left the church because they feel their sexual abuse and misconduct in leadership were not taken seriously by the church. It's never clear to me why exploitation is wrong, right? Because it's a mutually beneficial exactly. trait. Yeah. But even if that were not the case, it wasn't clear to me. You know, I mean, wh how do we know that the, the young teenager or the prepubescent child isn't gaining as much from this? especially if they're a willing participant. We don't think that children have to give valid consent for pretty much anything we do to them. And even if it were wrongful, it's not clear that it occurs in uh, most cases of adult child sex. If pedophiles are actively infiltrating the church, banking on the fact that Christians are easy to manipulate, and statistically speaking, the church will hide, ignore, or internally handle accusations of abuse instead of involving the police, where does that leave victimized children? For people who have made a terrible mistake and have repented, should they be cast away from the church? What about pedophiles who have an admitted sexual desire for little boys and girls, but promise to never act on it? In a 2010 Christianity Today survey of pastors, church leaders, staff, and members, nearly 80% of responders agreed that sex offenders belong in the church as attendees, with supervision and subject to limitations. But the reality is that many churches lack manpower and resources to provide adequate support and safety, according to attorney and church legal advisor Rob Showers. But if the acceptance and normalization of pedophilia is being taught to the next generation of up-and-coming adults or classified as another sexual orientation over which one is powerless. What then is immoral about sexual acts between adults and children? Dr. Alan Walker, a sociology and criminal justice professor at Old Dominion University who identifies as non-binary trans, was placed on administrative leave and then resigned after stating there is no morality or immorality attached to a sexual attraction to anyone because no one can control who they're attracted to. Elizabeth Latorno from Johns Hopkins University said integrating pedophiles into society with the freedom to have honest conversations about their sexual attractions to children is the way of the future in preventing child sex abuse. And as SUNY Fredonia professor Stephen Kirchner has asserted, if an adult can force a child to eat their broccoli, they should also be able to force them into sexual acts. Statistically speaking, churches of every kind have pedophiles and child victims in their congregations, whether or not they know it, understand it, acknowledge it or address it. Examining the issues that pertain to the people of God, this is the matter at hand. From in and around the Capital Region, on the Alive Radio Network, I'm Alicia Purdy.